Previously on Care of the State, Justice Madan Lokor told us that the philosophy behind the Juvenile Justice Act is that of reintegration, restoration, and rehabilitation of vulnerable children of India. According to the National Commission for Protection of Child Rights, among the rehabilitation methods practiced, institutional care is the largest safety network available today in India with over 256,000 children being taken care of in 7,163 childcare institutions. So, what is a childcare institution? Welcome to Care of the State, a podcast by Catalyst for Social Action that sheds light on what happens to orphaned and vulnerable children in India. The show helps you understand the system of institutional care, fostering, adoption, aftercare, and how organizations and government institutions work to care and protect these children. Experts from Catalyst for Social Action will be talking to lawyers, researchers, NGOs, and other experts from this space who will help us understand what's happening, what are the struggles, and what can be done to provide a safe environment for these children to grow and reintegrate into society. The Juvenile Justice Act of 2015 defines a childcare institution as a children's home, open shelter, observation home, special home, place of safety, specialized adoption agency, and a fit facility recognized under the Act for providing care and protection to children. On this episode, our host, Satyajit Mazumdar, head of advocacy at CSA, spoke to Preeti Patkar, co-founder and director of Prerna an organization that has done pioneering work in the red-light districts of Mumbai to protect vulnerable children from commercial sexual exploitation and trafficking. She explains in detail what a child care institution is and how they function. What is a child care institution? Uh, And can you tell us a bit about how they are set up uh, and what is the law that governs their functioning? Child care institution is a very broad term used for a care facility where children are received. Within childcare institutions, there are homes, shelter facilities for children serving the needs of different children. They are like a one-stop center for comprehensive care of vulnerable children. I'm using the word vulnerable children and childcare institution in the Indian context, of course. And these childcare centers address the needs of children for safe shelter, healthy lifestyle, education and vocational development, depending on the age of the children, recreation and leisure, and cultivating, again, age-appropriate living skills. Childcare institution could be both residential and non-residential in nature. Uh, The services provided looks into the individual needs of the children and in the best interest of the child. I feel the best interest of the child has to be ensured. In India, CCIs are set up by both voluntary organizations as well as the government. Some voluntary organizations who run CCI receive grants from the government and uh, there are many who raise their own funds. Every CCI is expected to register under the JJ Act again of 2015. So section 41 of the Act explains the procedure for the same. Then there are the model rules. 
some states in India still follow the model rules. There are other states who have developed their own rules, state-specific rules, which further spells out how a CCI is mandated and expected to function. Within six months from the date of the commencement of the Act, regardless of whether the CCI is receiving funds from the government or not receiving the funds, uh, they have to be registered under this Act. Before the Juvenile Justice Act was created, we had an Act called the Orphanages and Other Charitable Homes Supervision and Control Act of 1960. Section 2 of the Act defines the term home, which means an institution, whether called an orphanage, a home for neglected women or children, a widow's home, or any other place for the reception, care, protection, and welfare of women or children. Though this act in its title uses the term orphanages, it doesn't define what an orphanage is. And due to the sheer lack of knowledge on this subject or people associated with childcare institutions in India, a children's home is famously referred to as an orphanage, even though most children in CCIs have parents or family that are still alive. Satyajit gets Preeti to shed light on this misconception. A CCI or a children's home and orphanages have been used interchangeably. I personally do not like the term orphanages at all. I prefer not to use it. And I've heard several care leavers who feel um, very stigmatized and labeled when the term orphanages is used. That, you know, uh, here is a child who lived in an orphanage. So uh, I would personally prefer not to use the term. In the past, many CCIs which provided residential services to children who have no parents or no extended family or no extended family was willing to take care of them. Such facilities were, you know, loosely called as orphanages. In India, we have had and still use the term orphanages for CCI, especially children's home. The 2018 Jenna Committee report says that out of the total number of children living in institutional care, almost 33% are children of single parents, 15% are orphans, abandoned or surrendered children, and about 9% are those who are either victims of child sexual abuse, trafficking, child labor, child marriage, man-made and natural disasters, or they're homeless, runaway, missing, or disabled children. This makes up about 57% of the child population in child care institutions. The reason for parents placing their children at CCIs could be domestic violence, extreme poverty, broken marriage, a child out of wedlock, or a child of a sex worker, or either parent has passed away and the living parent has to go out for work and is unable to take care of the child. These children come from diverse backgrounds, facing different levels of trauma. So who decides whether they go into institutional care or not? Satyajit spoke to Dr. Nilima Mehta, who was the first chairperson of the Child Welfare Committee in Mumbai. She's a visiting professor and a national consultant for child protection, child rights, and adoption practices in India. If I talk about child protection, it will be within the purview of the Child Welfare Committee and the Children in Need of Care and Protection. They will see the condition 
the circumstances under which the child has come and what are the family-based alternatives. That is where what we talk about gatekeeping comes in. Gatekeeping is a term that is used for prevention of child entering into the juvenile justice system and the residential child care institutional setup. So that is the role of the committee, which is like a panel of professionals who are qualified to take this decision. And the role of civil society organizations, NGOs, like say Catalyst for Social Action, is really to kind of dovetail efforts together in the best interest of the child. A child welfare committee is the final authority for exercising powers and has certain responsibilities in relation to a child in need of care and protection under the Juvenile Justice Act. This committee consists of a chairperson and four other members, of whom at least one should be a woman and another an expert on matters concerning children. Preeti tells us more about the functions of this committee and how they decide on a child's future. The Child Welfare Committee is expected to decide if the child is a child in need of care and protection as defined in the Juvenile Justice Act in Section 2, subsection 14. Through a proper inquiry, the CWC is expected to decide if the child needs institutional care or the safety of the child can be ensured by the child staying in the family or in an extended family or can the child be supported through other alternative cares like foster care, uh, sponsorship program. Uh, So this is one function. Then moving forward, uh, once the child is in a child care institution, they make periodic visits to these children's home to see if all is well, whether children are safe, whether children are receiving the kind of services that they are expected to receive, whether the infrastructure services as committed by that organization at the time of registration, are they still the way they were mentioned at the time of registration? Similarly, they are supposed to evaluate the care plan in the management committee meetings, which is expected to happen once every month. They have to ensure that the rehabilitation and the social reintegration plan is being evolved. A safety plan is being evolved for the child. A developmental plan is being evolved for the child. And not just that there is a plan, but also the execution of the plan. How is the CCI taking that plan forward, actualizing that plan? Also interacting with families where the CWC has found they were incapacitated or found unfit. So to ensure that the District Child Protection Unit and the CCIs are supporting such families and helping strengthen the family, assessing the risk in the family and then taking a decision of restoration. Post-restoration also the Child Welfare Committee can pass an order for follow-up and ensure that post-restoration also the child is safe and on the path of recovery, on the path of development. As an ex-chairperson of the Child Welfare Committee, Nilima has been an active part of the lives of numerous vulnerable children. She explains to Satyajit the multiple challenges that the committee goes through 
while trying to provide for and place a child in a safe environment. What could be some of the practical challenges which uh, a child welfare committee faces when they are trying to determine whether it is in the best interest of the child to uh, be placed in an institution or with a family? One of the main challenges is a mindset. The mindset of society, political ideology, the way systems have been going is so what is the mindset is institution is the only and the best option as we have seen over a period of time. So this paradigm shift in cognitive understanding of child psychology, child psyche, rights of children is my most difficult challenge. The second challenge is to impact policy programs and practice. You know, when we do it at these three levels, only then there's a convergence where the best interest of the child is met when you move from a welfare approach to an empowerment or a development approach, when you move from a custodial care in an institution to a holistic development. That holistic development looks at every aspect of child protection Another issue is about isolation and segregation from mainstream society. That is one of the biggest challenge of residential care, that when the child is behind four walls and is separated, the child doesn't know how to integrate back into society, and that mainstreaming becomes a big challenge. The last challenge I would see is we need child participation. Nobody ever asks the child, what would you like? Let the child contribute in the decision-making process that is going to impact his or her life. So child participation in decision-making is an important aspect, which is a big challenge for professionals in the field of child protection. The Child Welfare Committee studies the cases of these vulnerable children and then houses them in befitting childcare institutions. But does the institution provide the kind of care a child needs when they've come out of such traumatic situations? The Jenna Committee report revealed that in 2016 and 17, over 3.7 lakh children were lodged in care homes across the country. Out of these, 1.8 lakh children were those whose parents or guardians have been found incapable of taking care of them. Satyajit talks to Anandi Yagnaraman, CEO of CSA, about the kind of care these children are provided within these institutions. About 57% of children who are under institutional care, they have come in only because their family or their guardian is not able to take care of this child. So this child is now in institutional care. What does it take for a child to get that family-like care? It is a safe space, good food, good health, and an environment that nurtures the child to perform at his or her best potential, right? Now, if all of this can be provided in the institutions, I think it can come very close to providing family-like care. I can never say that they will provide family-like care because a family gives something that institutions cannot. But does that mean that institutional care is not good? Because it is required for children who are coming because of these circumstances. So I think if all of these can be met, they can be very close to providing family-like care, and it is a requirement for these children. 
A thorough analysis of the data revealed that most childcare institutions need to look into matters of improving their infrastructure, human resources, and administration capabilities to provide better care and facilities to the children staying in these institutions. Satyajit finds out the reason for the lack of maintenance and development of these institutions. Where do you see the gap and why do these gaps exist? One is if we are able to look at it in a holistic way to see what does it take to provide what is in the best interest of the child in an institutional care. There are many things that comes into play. And one bucket is the basic infrastructure, clean water, access to safe spaces, toilets, and all of those. That's a basic infrastructure. And the second part comes in as in what does it take for a child to be living in that space? It requires trained staff and it requires the authorities to provide them with a continuous funding. So all of this have to come together to actually provide that space that we are talking about. The gap that exists today, if I say, is that it's very isolated. Yes, there are certain facilities, but then the funding is not coming through as it should. There's a lot of intermittent arrears kind of money coming in. The data says only about 45% of the homes are actually funded by the government. So there needs to be continuous funding for the CCIs to plan and execute their programs. And then also a critical part is on the capability of the staff. The staff need to be trained on what are the best childcare practices. We work with 87 institutions and training is a very critical part in making that space conducive for a child to learn and grow. So there are multiple gaps and I think it needs to be seen together as one spectrum where all of them come together in providing that space for the child. There is no doubt that a child grows up best with a family or in family-based care. And childcare institutions cannot replace a family. However, we live in a country that suffers from significant social and economic problems, and families aren't always capable of looking after their children. Institutional care may not be a last resort, but the primary solution for a child's care and safety. And this could be for a certain period of time until the child can be safely rehabilitated. So what kind of support do CCIs need? Nilima takes us through the changes that need to be made to improve the quality of institutional care. We need to upgrade from basic minimum quality to an excellent quality care in residential institutions. So one of the most important things to begin is instead of large impersonal institutions, Make them into small childcare homes, into small group homes, where ratio of caregiver to a child is a very appropriate one, where every child can get personal attention. And the child is not Billa number Dosobara, but the child is an individual who has a name, has an identity, and is respected for that. So quality childcare institutional also requires the caregiver's capacity building, training, motivation, and the understanding that they are making a difference in the life of a child.
when they reach a burnout situations, because one can see the challenge of looking after 50 children, then you have to ensure that even the burnout situation for caregivers is prevented. And this is one of the things that contributes to the recognition and appreciation of child caregivers. All the time, all that they're facing are advice and do this and those and don'ts. But they also need to be understood that be sensitive to the care, compassion and concern that a child needs. And when you operate out of that sense of empathy, compassion and understanding, then you will be a good mentor, a counsellor to every child in need. It's the responsibility of a CCI to provide for a child's developmental needs, whether that is health care, education, safety, growth, and more. Yet, not all childcare institutions can provide all of this, as many of them lack the infrastructure and resources to. So who's responsible for supporting and strengthening CCIs and their capabilities? Preeti explains how the state is responsible. I think the Juvenile Justice Act has put in multiple bodies and layers who ensure that uh, all these systems are in place. I also feel that these multiple bodies who are supposed to ensure all this, even their understanding needs to be enhanced. I very often find them not to be gender sensitive, them not to be, you know, disability sensitive. I think even they need training and they need support, just not training. They need support. They need mentoring. Having said that, we should remember the ultimate responsibility of how a CCI functions always lies with the respective state government. So it would always be their responsibility to ensure uh, a very smooth functioning of these childcare institutions and to ensure that children's safety and well-being is taken care of and that there should be no culture of violence, that this is non-negotiable. There is a system of suggestion box in all childcare institutions now. And these suggestion box are to be opened in the presence of the district child protection officer so as to ensure transparency. And not only that, post a reading of the suggestions in front of the children and the staff, you know, again, the CCIs are expected to file in compliance reports. So I think a lot of such systems have been built in. Uh, the issue is whether universally it is being followed. Of course, I am seeing a good progress, but, uh, you know, I don't see uniformity even within a state, forget across state, but even within a state, I don't see the uniformity in each of these systems built in, in the functioning of each of these bodies. So there is a lot of work to be done in the coming years. Let us take a look at these multiple layers within the Indian system that ensure the functioning of childcare institutions as well as the safety and well-being of its children. When an organization wants to start or register itself as a childcare institution, they submit an application to the state government. They then review the application based on certain criteria and may then approve the registration. This registration is valid for five years, after which it needs to be renewed. 
On the other hand, committees appointed by the state government conduct inspection visits to all childcare institutions at least once in three months and submit a report of their findings to the District Child Protection Unit. The DCPU then undertakes appropriate action within a month and submits a compliance report to the state government. On the other hand, the Child Welfare Committee conducts two inspection visits per month and recommends action to improve the quality of services to the DCPU. In the model rules, there is a provision for a management committee who discusses the management of a CCI and monitors the progress of every child. Headed by the District Child Protection Officer, this committee has two children members who meet once every month and actively participate in its discussions. Besides this, the National Commission for Protection of Child Rights keeps a close watch on the implementation of these laws. Satyajit asks Anandi how the quality of care is maintained at CCIs and the role CSA play in the childcare institutions they work with. There's checkpoints and there are reports. That's one part of it. Nothing replaces us being there, whether it is us as nonprofits or us being as the government authorities who are going there and sitting in these homes and actually looking at and talking to people to see and watching the kids to see how they are. So I think one is the inspection kind of an approach should be taken out and there should be more like a supportive approach whether it is a support from non-profit whether it's a support from dcpu cwc authorities we should spend time in these institutions to understand what the problems are what the struggles are how the children are doing and the children themselves of course as laid by the jj act do have a children committee where the children are trained, the committee is sort of formed to express a voice for the children, right? The children can voice about their safety, the food, the everything else. There's an inspection committee, there's an evaluation tool that we use at our CCIs to see how they are doing. But to me, they are all tools, they will give you data at the end of it, that is fine. But the most important thing for us is to actually be there and observe and see because there are things that you will find and you will know by just being there with those kids and homes. And all of these tools that we have, so we also at CSA have a CCI evaluation tool, which we do it on a yearly basis. So that year on year, it just tells us what are the areas where they are scoring, what they are scoring and how they can improve. But if one is more supportive, if one is more able to address what these homes need and go on a regular basis and monitor them, I think that is the best approach. Amidst all the laws, rules, regulations and protocols written in the Juvenile Justice Act, Satyajit asks Preeti a crucial question. What need do you think does a childcare institution uh, serve in the society, uh, especially in urban India? We see so many children who are into beggary, uh, child labor and children who are malnourished and so many children facing kinds of uh, abuse and violence. So is a childcare institution the best place for them to be in? Following the principle of individualization, I feel is very important. Decisions will have to be taken in the best interest of children with an understanding that best interest for every child is going to be different. So I want to give an example. Let's take an example of malnourished child. So maybe a malnourished child would do better with financial support to, to the family in the form of sponsorship 
that family probably you know the deeds assessment will show that the family needs support their parents need support in reskilling or skill building so that they have better employment opportunities better income generation opportunities and in certain cases maybe supporting families with micro financing linking them with social security schemes maybe the intervention required rather than you know admitting such a child into children's home similarly a child who has experienced violence within the family i feel it's important we understand the cause of the violence can that be resolved by counseling the parents working on parenting skills you know supporting families to evolve conflict resolution mechanisms kinship care for a temporary period may be explored foster care may be explored i feel doing an inquiry as spelled out in section 36 of the jj act needs to be followed a risk assessment a needs assessment should be done very often i find it's the fact family the adults who take a decision of moving the child into the child care institution we never ask the child what is it that he wants he is in that situation he is experiencing neglect he is experiencing violence but i'm sure it's important that we speak to the child we also speak to the other significant adults in the child's life to assess the nature of intervention here we also need to further strengthen alternative community based care you know we are not strengthening we are not advocating for open shelters we need to advocate for more creches and more day care centers for children institutionalization i feel should be chosen as a last option yes it does serve a very very important service in society for children but definitely a no to considering it as the option or the best option i think the way forward is let's focus more on family community based care family and community strengthening until when can or should a child stay uh, in institutional care then can the child be sent back to the family the principle that guide us on the duration of child care institution is again based on three principles necessity appropriateness and suitability which will make us have what is called an individual care plan so a child might require four weeks might require 4 months may require 4 years may require 18 years so depending on the family situation we do four things first one is we make an individual care plan we do what is called a home study report we do a social investigation report and based on that we see what is the way to make this child's duration determination in the institution how can we ensure that the child who has been sent back to the family is safe with the family very important before sending the child back into the family we need to do all the investigation to ensure that if the child's family themselves were abusive or exploitative then the child may not need to go back into the same family may go into foster care and if the child is completely orphaned abandoned or destitute permanency planning through adoption is one of the options and 
what we really need at that point of time is to ensure a social investigation report which will include three paradigms of the current situation motivation and capacity and opportunity for childcare within that family as well as follow up supervision and monitoring the moment you put a child back into that situation without these three components of follow up monitoring and supervision you will have what is called a revolving door process in that revolving door process the child will come back into the institutional setup and this is recidivism both in crime children in juveniles in conflict with law as well as vulnerable children so this revolving door situation needs to be prevented with follow up monitoring and supervision <laughs> Beyond childcare institutions, there are many non-profit organizations who strive every day to support and strengthen CCIs and its children. Catalyst for Social Action is one of them. They work towards ensuring a future for vulnerable children by paying attention to their physical, emotional, personal, and spiritual well-being as well as learning. Present across four states, CSA currently works with over 4,500 children in 87 institutions. Anandhi describes the role an external organization like CSA plays in supporting CCIs. One part of our real work is actually to train them. So I can give you an example here. Like in one of the home that we've been working in Odisha, they have been observing that we've been doing our health checkups twice in a year and their own costs of what they spend on health and treatments have actually gone down because we're able to catch the problem much earlier and attend to it rather than it goes into a you know a state where they need severe medical attention so they've realized that and actually last couple of years they have taken the onus on themselves the institution to say that we will do the health checkup ourselves because i see the value of what you're doing now that's what we're trying to do that we want to transfer some of the practices transfer some of our knowledge and know-how to make sure that the institution is inherently building the capability because obviously you know we're not going to be there forever we want to just transfer it and leave for the institution to go on so i think that's what organizations like us can bring in it can bring in some short term to medium term funding we actually observe the situation and see what is it they need and we work with them as partners so that's what we bring in and i think that's what most organizations would bring in as well at the end of the day the responsibilities of the institution and the capability building has to happen at that point has there been any cci that you have been able to uh, stop your support entirely and hand over the entire program entirely we haven't given back what we have done is program by program we've done a handover there are ccis where we no longer look at the basic facilities where we no longer even look at the health programs but where we have moved on to as a learning and development program where we only work with the children on their learning so we've been able to hand over the rest of the things i tell you where this comes up is you know if you have spent 5 years in an institution and we say okay now these things you can take care of yourself because we do an annual review with the institutions so when we talk about you know we brought in these facilities we brought in these now maybe a right time for you to take it on 
rightfully so they say okay fine we'll take off all these things but can you please support the children can you please support in their learning can you please support them in their skill education or higher education or training so we moved on we moved from i would say on a scale of say 1 to 10 where we were supporting 10 to we've come down to some institutions at 5 some at 4 some at 3 i won't be able to say that i've left an institution and come out i do hope that you know one day we will be able to hand over and then maybe do like a yearly visit or a conversation to see how are you doing is there any other support you need i mean i wish that comes hopefully but not yet Nelson Mandela once said, "Safety and security don't just happen. They are the result of collective consensus and public investment. We owe our children, the most vulnerable citizens in our society, a life free of violence and fear." Institutional care has been one of the mainstays of childcare, protection, and rehabilitation in India. As a society, It is unfortunate that so many children have to be placed in shelters and institutions because of the risk that they face. However, considering the socio-economic realities of India and the huge number of vulnerable children, institutional care is indispensable. In this context, it's important that we support CCIs while also working to scale up family-strengthening programs and promote family-based care options. These strategies must be followed in parallel. Institutional care and family-based care are not competing alternatives, but complementary programs and are both required in our country. Thanks for tuning in to Care of the State, a series by Catalyst for Social Action. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions or want to get involved in the work that CSA do, send an email to connect@csa.org.in. Conceptualized and hosted by Satyajit Mazumdar. Marketing and communications by Hinal Shah, Pranay Jajodia, and Kinjal Mehta. The creative team were Anuja Kokani and Shahaji Patel. This is a Made in India production. Writer and project manager Veda Sushila Mohan. Production head and editor Joshua Thomas. Sound mixing by Kartik Kulkarni. Project supervisor Sean Phantom. And voiceover by. May Mariam Thomas. <laughs>